Today's episode of Atlanta Zone is brought to you by Blaine Boyer, Kyle Davies, Joey Devine, Andy Marte, Wilson Bediment, Roman Cologne, Kelly Johnson, Pete Orr, Ryan Langerhands, Jeff Francoeur, and Brian McCann, also known as the Real Baby Braves. The less informed media out there continues to call the current Atlanta Braves team the Baby Braves, which is just a complete lack of respect for the 2005 team that set the precedent. We here at Atlanta Zone will not stand for it. Everyone needs to pay respect to Kyle Davies and his 493 ERA. Never forget Ryan Langerhans and his 37 to 75 walk to strikeout ratio. Granted, Acuna and Albies look decent so far, but the only reason their exit velocity seems so impressive is because the stat didn't even exist when Pete Orr was swatting slap bunts past the third baseman. So pay homage to the true baby Braves, who, like so many Braves teams of the past, tore our hearts out in excruciating fashion by blowing a 6 nothing lead in the 8th and ninth innings of Game 4 against the Astros, only to go on to lose in 18 innings. At the same time, Michael Cannon is missing a 60-yard field goal to lose to the Patriots after making the first attempt where Belichick iced him. So thank you to the real baby Braves from your friends at Atlanta's own. Let's start the show. What's up, Atlanta sports fans? My name is Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, the wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? To be with you, Graham, I'm a little bit tired. I've been spending the last couple... Spending? You've been spending a lot of time? Hey. Yes, exactly. Oh, okay. Spending. Spending. All right. What have you been spending time doing? Spending a lot of time counting all the money I won from you. And our bet on Tuesday night. Yeah. Would you uh, care to share with the users? So, against the Cubs, the makeup game on Monday yep. in Chicago. Uh, Adam, Arthur, and I were texting, and we were asking, like, predictions on the game and stuff. And Adam's like, well, I bet, you know, Bautista goes one for three with a three-run bomb, three RBIs. And I was like, you know what? I'll bet you, I'll bet you five bucks it doesn't happen. And I said, no, what? you know what? I'm so confident it won't. <laughs> I'll give you five to one odds. And I said, no, no, that's just not good enough. Ten to one odds <laughs> that this will, this is impossible, an impossibility. It will never happen. Little do I know, I'm, uh, I'm working from home that day, and I sort of get distracted with work when I should be watching, you know, watching the game. And uh, it's on the background. Like a true fan. Like a true fan. Should we give my full attention to the team? And uh, in the background, I, I look up and see runners in first and second, and Bautista's up. And I don't really think much of it. I had to go back to work, and then I look back up again, and I see him pop this ball straight up. <laughs> and I was like, you son of a bitch. And I said, oh, my fuck. Yep. And it goes right right into the seats in Wrigley Field. It looked like a, looked like a complete pop-up. I don't know why you got any of that at all, but hey, credit where credit's due. Um, he, he, that was the deciding factor in that game. That was the Joey Bats game. That was the Joey Bats game. And Adam uh, robs me of $50, which I have yet to pay him. So, well, you better believe I'll be hounding you for it. I'm just, I, I know you will. What do you, what do you think I should spend it on? Um, food, gas, or booze? I mean, a little bit of both. Not gas. <laughs> I mean, I mean, just two out of three. Food and booze. Food and booze. And get a uh, liquor drink for me. Maybe we'll go to Jack's Pizza. Maybe so. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, yeah. We can get uh, like ten slices of pizza each. Nice. They're so cheap there. Yeah. And one pitcher. Very fair. Very fair. Um, so, yeah, that was entertaining. And um, a lot of big news in Atlanta sports uh, over the last week, though. We had uh, the Hawks introduce a new coach, Lloyd Pierce, former Philadelphia 76ers assistant coach. The uh, lottery results were revealed on, mm-hmm. what, Tuesday night? Tuesday Hawks, night. Hawks are drafting third overall in the NBA draft. Well, way to spoil that one. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Braves continue to kick ass overall. Yeah. Uh, took a took six or seven on the road against the Marlins and Rays, and continued to play well this week. Uh, so far, taking two or three from the Cubs, they officially won that road series in Chicago by winning on Monday, having won three or four, 
and now uh, they're knotted up one to one heading into play tonight in Chicago, which is currently in a rain delay as of 7:59 p.m. on May 17th. I feel like you just covered everything we were going to discuss. Yeah, I don't think we really, I don't think we really need to say anything else. I think this wraps up this episode of Atlanta. Gen. <laughs> we want to thank you guys wherever you, uh, whenever you listen, however you listen, for uh, joining the program today. I only got a couple. Si- I only got a, <laughs> only got a couple sips into my beer. Right, all right, it's all over. Um, well, maybe we can go into a little more detail on a couple of those. Um, maybe, maybe. Should we switch it up and start with the Hawks so people actually listen to the Hawks segment? I'm fine with that. Okay. I can already see people uh, fast-forwarding <laughs> uh, to wherever the Braves are. But, yeah, let's go for it. Okay. So, uh, I guess, first and foremost, <clears throat> what was his name again? Larry Pierce? <laughs> Lloyd, Larry Drew. Lloyd, Racially profiling fuck. No, Lloyd, Lloyd Pierce. Pierce. Lloyd, Lloyd Pierce. Pierce. Um, it was literally the night after we recorded uh, the last episode. Uh, where we were talking about the potential of maybe Becky Hammond coming in. Right. That Lloyd Pierce, I think, was hired the next Which day. Was clearly speculation. Clearly speculation. Just an idea. Right. There was no fire to that. There wasn't even a rumor. It was just an idea I was thinking about. Yeah. Um, and, and Coach Bud ends up getting the Bucks job. He ends up getting the Bucks job. And Becky so Hammond she's out of that is one. still unemployed. Very unfair. Raptors are there still. I'd be good. Um, but yeah, Lloyd Pierce. Um, my first reaction was no reaction or I was probably just like who the hell's Lloyd Pierce right like most of us were yeah but the more I've heard about him the more it seems like a really solid hire he um the first thing that stood out to me was players around the league talking about him apparently like LeBron was congratulating him and a bunch of the Sixers players were pretty vocal about just how great this guy was Mm -hmm. and how much he meant to them. Um, So it shows he knows how to command and lead a locker room, which I feel like he's going to bring a lot more fire than a grumpy coach bud did with his displeased face at all times. Yes. Yes. And no personality ever coming out. Mm -hmm. So, that's promising. And then also just the fact that he's coming from the Sixers who have completed their rebuild and obviously he knows how to develop players, which is the one thing you said you wanted from right. a coach. Right. Um, so all in all, seems like a good hire. Yeah, all indications point towards this uh, being a hire, which is, as I mentioned, yeah, player development's important. But also, uh, you know, Philly had a pretty good defense this year and – a lot of people have said that Lloyd Pierce was instrumental in, in developing players with uh, their defensive capabilities. And so I think that's really important as well as you're getting all these young guys. I mean, we have, what, three first-round draft picks this year. Yep. So you're going to get three guys who are probably going to get a good amount of playing time uh, this season. And I think we have two second-round picks. So, I mean, who knows what happens with them, but at least the first round, you know, you know you're, you're going to get some guys who are going to be probably going to be regulars. So in terms of he's dealt with a lot of young players before in Philadelphia and mentored them, and now he's going to be given the same opportunity here except as a, as a head coach. So I think I don't really have an issue with this hire, even though I was you know really gunning for the Becky Hammond thing last week. I think that, you know. Which wasn't a thing. Which wasn't a thing. It was yeah. just, it was just a, a fantasy. But, yeah, I mean, I mean it, it seems to check all the boxes. And once again, the good news is that this is his first head coaching job. There's not a lot of pressure. It's just a matter of, you know, coach these guys up. And I think also being a young coach is important as well because he'll be able to connect with the guys probably better than a Bud or a Mike know, Woodson. A Mike or Woodson or a Larry, Larry Brown. Larry Drew. Or Larry Brown. Or Larry Brown. 70. Or Stan Van Gundy. Stan Van Gundy, yeah. So I'm cool with the hire. Uh, the press conference was boring as shit. I'm really getting tired of watching Hawks press conferences or reading about them. I like, like that he said, did you hear the thing he said about... It's the most uh, corporate coach-speak, owner-speak bullshit you can possibly imagine. He said something about if he didn't have to do this press conference, the guys sitting in the front row, I think it was like Baysmore and a couple other players, said they'd be out doing defensive drills right now. Mm. So I like that. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Granted, I didn't watch the rest of it. Right. Sure. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens with, with, with Coach Pierce this year and... But I'm, I'm, I do not hate the hire 
I like it okay, but you know, it's it's too. He doesn't have a, a big resume. It's a lot of things that aren't quantifiable. He doesn't have you know any stats as a head coach. You're a stats you, guy. Yeah, you hear doesn't have any yeah, the no shit statement of the century. He doesn't have any stats as a head coach from a first time head coach. Yeah, it's pretty stupid. <laughs> so I'm just saying you have you really have nothing to go off of except other people's word. Right, and that's it. With other coaches who have had experience, you obviously get to evaluate that in terms of where they're coming in and how their past success feeds into the situation they're going to now. And the only thing we really have is like he's transferring from a rebuild and he's well respected throughout the league. So, ex ex ball player himself, right? Played at some smaller school. I'm gonna say Wichita State. The Shockers. He he was at the Braves game last night. Pretty funny picture of him next to. Brian Snitker, they both look pretty perturbed in yep. the dugout. Throughout the first pitch as well, as atrocious. Was it? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I think it was on Tuesday, wasn't it? Yeah, one of the days this yeah. week. Um, so hopefully he's a better coach than he is I should, pitcher. I should hope so, or Travis Schlenk should be fired. Yep. Um, yeah, that's really all I think we all have to say about that. There's not a lot uh, to really go off of, but yeah, see what happens. Yeah. Um, and the lottery happened on, on Tuesday night, and we got the third pick, as we mentioned. Which, which was lucky. We, we moved up. We jumped a team. Oh, did we? Yeah, we were supposed to be fifth. We came in with, like, the fifth best odds, I believe. I think you're right. Yeah, so we yeah, jumped, so we two, jumped teams. two teams. Yeah. Very fair. Very fair. And, you know, I, I can't stand the lottery. I, I, I had it on in the background just to see when it was going to happen. But you never even saw the ping pong balls. I think this is another reason why no one fucking trusts the NBA is because you well, yeah, don't even get to you don't get to see it. It was just like announced that these this was the order, so the NBA could have done whatever the hell they wanted to. There was no live presentation of the ping pong balls at all. I mean, yeah, it's a hundred percent a scam. Yeah, so thank Christ they put us at three because I was really worried when I didn't see any ping pong balls. I was like, well, because I haven't watched the lottery <laughs> in probably ten, fifteen years at this point, just because. Who gives a shit? <laughs> but, you know, just because you have... Well, the Hawks in. also haven't been in the lottery in 10 years. That's true. Last time was in 07, I think. When we got Big Al. Big Al, yeah. And... At pick three. Yeah, pick three from Florida. And so, I didn't really know how it worked anymore, but the fact that you didn't see it is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much a known thing that lottery's a big scam. Yeah, so and it NBA, should... NBA fixes it. It shouldn't even be a thing, then. I think they're getting, they're getting rid of it uh, after this year, so... No, they're changing it. Or they're changing it. So yeah. there's still going to be a, a quote-unquote lottery system. Yeah. We discussed this a few episodes ago. I don't ago. remember. I, I broke down all the rules for you. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. It, it's just the difference now is they're trying to prevent as much um, tanking. tanking. Yeah. So having the worst record, you have an even lesser chance of getting the number one overall pick. I don't think it's really that big of an issue in the NFL, right? It's a lot of... People preach parity all the time in the NFL, and they're absolutely right. For the most part, it is a pretty evenly matched league. Um, you know, you have your shitty teams like the Browns every year, but uh, you don't really see them doing a tank job. You know, the majority of NFL teams that suck just have bad front offices and bad coaches. You know, NBA, I don't know. I mean, who, who cares if someone's tanking? Like, that's my thing. It's like, if you have no shot, why not have the right to tank? Why, why get on Dallas for, for taking out their players at the end of the second half if they have no shot to do anything of relevance in the NBA anyway when the NBA is a broken fucking system because it's turned into a fantasy draft like you're playing NBA 2K when you can have Steph Curry and Kevin Durant on the same goddamn team? Like, that's broken. Fix that shit. Don't fix tanking. <laughs> tanking's the reason that shit's happening. I mean, so you're, that shit's the reason tanking's happening. So you're Team Tank. My Team Tank? Yeah. Oh, I am Team Tank. Got it. Yes. Yes. Yeah, fuck it. Get rid of... The unbalanced teams that are happening right now, and let's you know let tanking. Let, I don't give a shit. What what are you upset about now? I'm upset that <laughs> the NBA is paying all this attention to tanking when they should be trying to prevent these super teams, these big threes, these big fours that are happening now. You know, KD and and Steph on the same team is absurd. Where does LeBron go next year? Does LeBron go to the cat? I mean, the Warriors. You let them just do that, probably. I mean, that would be so fucking dumb. Yeah. Who, who, the, the thing that's crazy to me is that the NBA is becoming incredibly popular again amongst millennials, amongst just everybody. Like, everybody's really falling back in love with the NBA, and I have to just, I wonder why. When the level of competition, you have like four 
teams that have a chance. Yeah, it's, it's most all all the other sports, all the other sports. Not like anyone can win, but you got like ten teams that you feel like can contend. You know, in the NFL you have twelve, and baseball you have like ten ish. You feel like even if someone doesn't make the playoffs, like uh, you know the Braves in twenty eleven weren't a great team, but and they choked historically in September. But in August you're <laughs> you're thinking this team can make a run if if the if everything breaks right. You don't have that in the NBA. The the fourth seed. Uh, 76ers, even though they were a good little young team, they have no fucking chance. It's a superstar league. All it is is Golden State and Houston and Cleveland on paper every year. That that's and the Spurs if Kawhi Leonard's not being a baby back bitch and not playing for his teammates. So we're that's getting, it. We're so why, little, why are people so interested in it? I don't. We're, we are definitely getting outside of our element. We are getting outside our element. But why we strictly people, discuss Atlanta professional Atlanta sports? Professional I'm sorry, sports, but I have, to, I have to ask this question. I don't know. I strictly discuss Atlanta professional sports. I can't discuss the NBA and the popularity amongst the millennials. That is outside of the Venn diagram. Okay. So if we if we need to bring on some sort of NBA correspondent, correspondent. <laughs> to, to tell us why the league is so popular even though it has only four good teams. We could do that. Maybe we should because the NBA is boring as fuck to me. Who would our NBA correspondent be? We have, I think we're the biggest NBA fans we know. Maybe knowledge. <laughs> Maybe. And that's about it. Huh. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just kind of, I don't understand it. I think the NBA is the most broken league there is in, in professional sports in terms of the power structure. And it even has a salary cap. It's still broken. I heard Kincaid kind of bitching about the same thing, about how people are talking about how popular the NBA is, saying, oh, our ratings are up like 30% yeah. versus mm-hmm. the NFL's are down. And it's like, okay, your ratings being up 30% means you have like 5 million households an evening watching. Right. The NFL's ratings being down mean they have 85 million households watching. Right. They're so always going to draw a bigger crowd. It's not relevant. Right. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. Don't compare. But the greater point being is we have the third pick. Yes. So, so that, even though everything's broken in the NBA, at least we got a top three pick, which leads me to believe that Marvin Bagley is within uh, our sights. You still don't want Bagley? No, I'm off. I'm completely off Bagley now. Why? Um, shoots sixty percent in the paint, shoots forty percent from three, and he's a beast inside. Shoots sixty percent from the free throw line. That's worrisome. That you can develop that. Versus that, uh, what's his name? Jackson. Um, Jaron Jackson. The hell is that? Out of Michigan State. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he's like a legit big. Who, Michigan State doesn't produce, hasn't produced a good. You want to talk about Duke producing good NBA? Kyrie leagues? Irving, you dumbass. That's one. Yeah. That's still a superstar. One. Jabari Parker is very good. He's not a superstar, but he's very good. Remember a couple of years ago, Okafor drafted number three overall? Can't get a team to play him now. Yeah, he's like the exact same player. I'm just saying. When is the last Michigan State player to be amazing? Magic Johnson in the NBA? Yeah. Okay, tell me that. I don't know. I haven't looked it up. All right, well, go fuck yourself. Adrian Payne. Yeah, who was accused of assault and rape and whatnot, and is out of the league now. The point is, I'm not going to just. The Hawks are big on Jackson. He's a he's a rim protecting big. I haven't watched Jackson enough. Coach Pierce. Says he wants. Why are you off Bagley? Is just because of the, the free throw percentage? Yeah, and just Duke big scare me in general. I know you watched like two Duke games and you were impressed with what you saw. I watched but... a lot more than two Duke games, but that's funny <laughs> that you said it like that. I just haven't seen post moves from a big man like that in the college game in a long time. And just his ability to rebound, rim protect, get double doubles, and have such a strong all-around game minus the free throw shooting, which I didn't realize was that shitty. I knew he wasn't great, but that's, that's awful. Um, it just really impressed me. And I thought, you know, this guy profiles to play in the NBA. That's my shitty analysis of him. That's fair. Um, I did not watch enough of Jaron Jackson to have analysis. But the word out there, which doesn't mean much, because agents put out rumors, teams put out false rumors, is that the Hawks like Jackson Mm -hmm. over Bagley currently because he is a more athletic big for defending the the paint there, and he could still shoot the three. But also, apparently they like Trey Young a lot. Well, that, that brings and up... And talk about trading back. 
Right, and I think real quick before we talk about training back, bringing up Trey Young, I think is interesting because this is kind of coinciding with uh, with the news about Dennis Schroeder uh, speaking to a German outlet recently, saying that yeah, I want to be on a contender, I want to win now, blah blah blah. I'd like to go maybe to Indiana, maybe Milwaukee. I'm paraphrasing here, and I was just kind of like, you know what? Then get the fuck out of here. Yeah, uh, you ungrateful shit. And I think that shows an extreme lack of discipline, lack of maturity to air those grievances to an outlet, to a media outlet. Instead of, instead of handling that behind closed doors like a professional. I think, not professional. I think you're misquoting him a little bit. It's not professional. I think you're misquoting him. I am, of course I'm misquoting him because I'm <laughs> paraphrasing, but this is what I heard is that but you, you that's made, what he said. You made it act like he was bitching. That wasn't really the case. I think the question was phrased to him, what other clubs would you be interested in playing for if your future in Atlanta is unclear? Oh, how do you know that? Did you read because the I actually read the article. Oh, okay. And, like, the headline was, which I'm sure, did you just read the headline? I just heard it on the radio. <laughs> I didn't so, look it up. So, like, the headline was, like, shocker. But then when you read the article, it was like, that's not that bad. It wasn't that bad? No. Well, the way it played off to me was, like, I just don't think you should even talk and, about and it. It's kind of like Jim Mora. It's kind of like Jim Mora Jr. when he was the coach of the Falcons talking about, oh, man, if they offered me the Washington State job, I'd, uh, or excuse me, the University of Washington college job, I'd just go. Yeah. And I was like, well, fuck you. Yeah, people get too comfortable with the media for some reason. Yeah, and I don't understand why you're saying that. His response, even if they said, if it doesn't work out, they should have said, I'm part of the Atlanta Hawks. Like, that should have just been it, and then that's, that's all. Yeah. And then you talk to the Hawks. And then, yeah, house. I just think that is, that's just immaturity. You don't you don't say anything like that out loud to the public. I think it's stupid. And and now Schroeder's getting into a social media war with Torian Prince because Torian Prince, after that article came out, said uh, I'm once again paraphrasing here, but he's like soldiers trying to act like generals. SMH, shake my head. And so then Schroeder oh. Schroeder tweets or Instagrams or Snapchatted what I don't know what he did. He, he replied to him over some social media platform that said. Uh, you know, accomplish something before you talk or something like that. And I'm like, Dennis, what have you accomplished? What have you accomplished? The best Hawks team ever you were on, but you were a bench player. Like, you're a solid little player, but you have no room to say accomplish something when you've accomplished jack shit. It's conversations like this when it goes to social media and the players that remind me, some of these people are pretty much children, you know? Yeah. Like, they're 23, 24 years old. Right. And... A lot of immaturity there. So, right. Why don't so you, you can't be, expect the world out of it. Why them. don't you be men, and if you have an issue with each other, just talk to each other personally or over the phone or something and say, hey, man, I don't think you should have said that. As opposed to airing it out to the whole fucking world. LeBron James does the same thing. He bitches and moans about his teammates on Instagram, and it's like, dude, handle that internally. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. It's just, it, it's just a bad look. It's a bad look, and it creates a lot of distrust, um, I'm sure, amongst teammates, and also just makes you look... Like a dumbass. On, on that point, will you give me another 10 to 1, $5 bet odds? <laughs> what is the bet? Um, Dennis Schroeder is traded to the Bucks no. before the offseason. No, I will not, because I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Mm. I think Dennis Schroeder's days are numbered. I think uh, if he is traded, the likelihood of us taking Trey Young skyrockets. And, you know, I'm sure Schlenk wants as many of his players around as possible and maybe he wants to uh wipe the taste of bulldozer out of, his, out of his mouth as much as possible so i an intruder as a, as a bud guy he was drafted by uh i think danny ferry but it was, but it was with the organization well, everybody's a bud guy he was just their coach yeah but schlink had a draft you know where he drafted john collins was that the schlink's yeah, draft yeah the schlink's draft this is his first year in Atlanta. You're right. Believe it or not, it feels like he's been here for 10 years just because that Hawks season was so long. You're right. But, um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone. And I, and I think he will be. And I think the Bucks are a very likely destination because they don't really have a, as far as I know, I'm not the biggest Bucks fan, so Tom Calliouette, if you're listening, don't shoot me. But I don't think they really have an awesome point guard or anything like that. So it could be a good fit. And if he leaves, I'm, f- I'm fine with him leaving. I'm kind of sick of his ass at this point. Where's Chuck Teague? Isn't he in Milwaukee now? Yes. Ooh. Yeah, t- team them back up. Yeah, there you go. Um, um, as you said, though, it was a long Hawks season. Let's not make this Hawks segment a long 
one. I think we failed in that regard. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess the last thing I want to discuss before we do move on, Adam, would you like to move back in the NBA draft? Um, I don't know much. As I don't know enough about Jaron Jackson. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's a can't miss. If Doncic is there, that kid from uh, oh. Europe, yeah, I kind of want him. If we could get him and then trade Schroeder and trade back into the top ten or some shit like that, you'd be up for that. Yeah, yeah, I think it'd have to be the right opportunity. I want to want to just like trade back and be like, oh, now we're gonna draft twelfth and thirteenth as opposed to third or something like that. I I would, I would hate something. Oh no, like you that. don't want to do that. Yeah, that would be awful. But like, but if, if you can get Trey Young at like six, right, right, and pick up another draft pick or something, yeah. And then you, if you do that, and what if there's the ability to get two first rounders, you know, high ish first rounders for that third pick that somebody else really wants? And if, if you know, if, if the guy you want is Trey Young, then hell, I can see that happen. So I don't want that to happen because I want, I really do want Bagley. And or, I think he's yeah, going to be just, gone in the top three. Or just don't overtake, overthink it and take one of those two. Right. I mean, Aiton's going to be gone first. Then it's going to come down to either Doncic or Bagley. Although now Don, Donkic is saying that he might not even come out for the draft. No shit. Yeah, that bastard. After all this time. Which would really screw us. Yeah, and then we lose Bagley, and then we're yeah. going to get... I Jackson. Don't know, Jackson. So who knows? I kind of want anyways. Right, so. so that'll work out for you. But yeah, let's move on to the Hawks. from the Hawks. We obviously don't know what the hell we're talking about. Um, yeah, jump back to the Braves. All right. America's team. Yeah. Um, Still looking pretty good, Adam. The baby Braves, I hear they're called. Los Niños Bravos. Yes. Um, once again, still really impressed by this team. Finally won a game at home. That Finally, was yeah, promising. lost four in a row at home. Finally won a game last night. Uh, and it was all, not all thanks to, but a large part due to uh, the speed and tenacity of Ozzy Albies and Ronald Acuna. Yeah. Um, and once again, plate discipline. Um, you know, in the Rays game, I think. Or I can't remember if it was the Rays or Marlins, but we, we walked in like two straight. Marlins, yeah. I think we had four walks that inning and walked in two runs. See, uh, Tyler that, Flowers awesome. is showing his value. Tyler Flowers has come back from the deal with a vengeance, and Suzuki's cooled off a little bit. So yeah. it's, it's that, kinda, That's why you like having them both. Right, right. and um, The old yin and yang. Yeah, and so it. that was awesome to see last week. And then uh, last night it happened again, where I think we walked in a run. And the greatest thing was like after the run was walked and they cut to Acuna and Albies and Acuna I think I don't know if it was Acuna grabbing Albies yeah it was Acuna from yeah Acuna grabs Albies from the high and just go they just like went nuts and I just said this team is so much fun that they get so worked up over a walked off walk not walk off walk but a a a walk and it's it's the most I've seen anyone get worked up over a run scoring walk since that walk off walk of the Braves in 99 over the Mets they're having a blast and they're they're starting to get the national attention as well Mm -hmm. I was watching there was a like nine-minute segment, I think. It looked must have been MLB Network. Mark DeRosa and Mike Lowell were yeah. the hosts. Mm-hmm. And they had uh, Ozzy Albies on there. Oh, nice. And it was like doing a batting segment, like segment. A batting segment? <laughs> it was doing a batting practice segment yeah. with Ozzy Albies in the studio. Mm-hmm. For like, yeah, nine minutes. It's just like him on the tee and like them asking him what his approach is. Beautiful. And... Um, I mean, he, he doesn't didn't have a ton of personality out there, and like D Rose asking him all these crazy questions. I'm sure, it's his first time ever doing that. Yeah, too, so he's, okay, he's twenty years old. Yeah, I'd be nervous as shit. Um, um, but yeah, he said his whole strategy is just like try to hit it to shortstop, line drive to shortstop every time. Um, but yeah, it's cool that people across the nation kind of give a shit about the Braves again. Yeah, and Freddie Freeman is on an absolute tear once again, especially on the road. I think he hit four bombs. Had a five-for-five five night. First time he's ever done that in his career. Uh, he's showing, once again, why he's one of the most undervalued uh, players in baseball and why he should be considered a, a top 10, top 15 minimum player. Uh, you know, he's having, you know, Paul Goldschmidt for a while has been the gold standard of first baseman in the National League and across baseball. But I think, you know, the season Freddie's having, I think he's the premier first baseman in the National League right now. Rizzo sucks this year yeah, so far. I agree. Yeah, if a really slow start, Goldschmidt, sluggish. Uh, Goldschmidt, he only has like 14 RBIs on the season. Well, I don't even care about RBIs. He's just on bases down, too. I mean, he's just all around. He's just not doing his, his job because RBIs are so 
contingent on other people helping you. Like the individual statistics that you can control, like an on-base percentage, slugging percentage, say a lot more about a player to me. Uh, but those are boring stats, Graham. They're they're not. The average man doesn't the average know man how to conceptualize them. So you still have to speak in batting average, RBIs, and home, home runs. runs. Yeah, well, home runs is another individual stat too, right? And I just think overall, Freddie's just and been, wins. The wins are the most wins important are so stat. important. Like when a pitcher, like when Brandon McCarthy had four wins, you just had to say to yourself, "This is one of the best best pitchers in baseball," because he has more wins than. Uh, I'm just going to pull a name on my hat, then Clayton Kershaw. So clearly he's better than Clayton Kershaw because he has more wins. That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. He set his team up to win more than Clayton that Kershaw has. not true. You know the Marlins and the Dodgers have the same amount of wins? It's pretty crazy. The That's Dodgers hilarious. have gotten off to a really I bad love start it. this year. Love it. Yeah, me too. And Alex Wood hasn't been shit. Yep. But, you know, you know we had the best record in, in baseball. 26-16, <laughs> 10 games um, over 500. Best record in the National League. Sorry. We had the best record in the National League, 26-16, and 16, uh, 10 games over 500. We were still up on the Phillies by, I think, a game and a half. Things continue to trend up for this team, and you start to get the sense that this is sustainable. They, the offense still consistently ranks top. They're either the best team in baseball or they're top three in all major offensive statistical categories. Run differential is apeshit. It's like, I think, in the 40s or 50s in terms of runs scored versus run, runs allowed. Uh, it's been unbelievable that this offense has produced at the at the clip it has. I mean, I, I still can't. I'm not used to it. I'm blown away every night. And we're getting Dansby back, which I think we need. Yeah. He's doing a rehab start in Rome tonight, mm. and it sounds like he might just do one rehab start and come back. Ready to rock. Because Camargo is hitting under 200. Flaherty's cooled down. Jose Bautista is the Jose Bautista Graham thought we were getting. So we plug oh. Dansby back in there and then figure out third base. Yeah. Oh, and that, that error he made the other night, Bautista, drove me up the fucking wall. Yeah. Un- but un- we won that ball game. We still won. And he won us another ball game. Yeah. So overall. I mean, he, he's come up with some timely home runs. I'll give him that. Um, you got to give credit where credit's due. But yeah. like I said, if you think he was the long, not even long term, but this season – like that he was the solution as you're starting third baseman, you're a fucking idiot. I'm, I'm feeling... <laughs> There's just no other way I'm feeling pretty strong it. about my $5 bet with you on Austin Riley now. Austin Riley has been tearing up. He had three home runs the other night in Gwinnett. One was Didn't a he have grand like five slam. hits, too, in he that had, same game? I think he had four or five hits, and he had eight RBIs. Yeah. Um, outstanding. Outstanding. So... He's not getting slowed down. Right, and he's, he's picked up right where he left off in double A. So, I mean, he's kicking ass in Gwinnett, and I hope I lose that bet to Adam. And yeah. I'm glad it's only $5 as opposed to 10 to 1 odds. That's going to be some exciting shit if he gets called up, too. Yeah. Because then you get even younger, and you get more of a glimpse of the future. But the future is also now. It's incredible. Weird, right? It is weird. But it is awesome. Um, I think the one point of concern is still the bullpen, particularly Erodis Viscaino, has been atrocious, really, the last four or five times he's gone out there. Um, I think he's given up like four and runs, seven or eight hits. Uh, he got one of the saves he got against the Rays. He was single-handedly bailed out by Ozzy Albies. Yeah. Uh, I think it was the two to one. Like we were up by one run. There was a guy on first. It's a rocket that would have gone right into the right center field gap, but Ozzy leapt, caught the ball, and then doubled the guy off first base. You know that doesn't happen because I think the next guy got a hit, and then this guy got out of it. But he has been really shaky in the closer's role this year, and now he's going through another stretch where he's just not consistent in terms of getting guys out. Yeah, to me, and I've said this before, I like Arodis's, Arodis. I like Viscaino's arm. Yeah. But he doesn't look like he has that fire to what? consistently close out in the ninth well, inning. I think it's also just location, right? I well, mean, that's part of it. Yeah. and You have to throw damn strikes. Right. It's either... But even he, like A.J. Minter, he's also not... He's walking some guys, but he just looks like he can just like hunker down and do what it... What he's got to do to get out of the inning. Well, he also got bailed out in that Cubs game. I mean, that, that shot that Bryant hit after he hit the uh, – I can't remember. I think it was half he hit. Oh, that score line, run. I mean, it was a line drive. It was a line drive, but, I mean, like, that ball is 30 feet to the, the right or the left. That's a, that's a game ender. Well, that's baseball. It's a game of inches. Yeah, but it's still disconcerting. We don't really have a true closer right now. I would like to see 
even though I think Mentor can, can keep improving. I think Viscaino is what he is. I don't think he's going to get any better. If anything, he's going to get worse. He's going oh, to wait, continue to regress. Let me guess who you want. Old Danny Winkler? Yeah, I think Winkler has been outstanding. He has been. Um, under one ERA, excellent FIP, fielding independent pitching, which uh, for those of you that don't know, tracks stats that uh, the pitcher controls. Who so gives, Who gives a shit? <laughs> it's an important stat. All right, explain that again. I'll okay. Tr- I'll try. I'll try. Fielding independent pitching. Fielding so independent it's of basically, pitching. Yeah, it's basically stats related to pitching that don't involve fielding. So you take your defenders out of the, like, how many home runs are giving up walks, strikeouts, stuff like that. And Winkler's is what? I can't remember, but it's excellent. <laughs> uh, along with his ERA is excellent. His whip is excellent. Walks and hits per innings pitched. Um, I would like to see him in that role. I think Shane Carl has also done a great job. I don't know if I want him to be the closer, but uh, I want to lean on those two a little more because yeah, they've, uh, they've gone out night in and night out and proven that they belong here. Not to say that Minter uh, is, you know, that we should give up on him or anything, but right now I feel more confident in those two than I do in Minter and especially this guy, you know. I think that I really hope that if we are, I'm not going to say if, I think we will still be in contention on the trade deadline. I'm very confident in this team. But our Achilles heel is going to be that bullpen. And we need to make some moves to, to bolster it. Yeah, I mean, the bullpen has been relatively good. It has. But I'm, just, wor- I'm worried about questions the in the closer's role. Dude, I love Gohara down there, though. He looked excellent um, against Tampa Bay. His off-speed stuff was exceptionally placed on the corners of the plate. His fastball was live. I just still worry about his weight. But that's just who he is. I think he could still lose twenty or thirty pounds and be, you know, have more stamina, and also but guys like that lose their fastball if they lose that weight. He's two sixty five. You can still be two thirty five and be a big guy and still have that power. He's always been a big guy. Yeah, he's gonna flame out when he's, he's... a CC Sabathia. CC Sabathia flamed out. He only flamed out because he was an alcoholic. CC, yeah, CC's having one of his better exactly. uh, years in his career this year. Exactly, that's my point. But he's still. It's a poor comparison at this point, as they're both in very different stages of their careers. I, but CeCe's always been CeCe's, a big guy, and he's been true. around forever. Yes. Bartolo Colon just got walloped. Did you see the video of him getting walloped in the, it was hilarious. In the stomach with a live think, drive? I think and it didn't his, affect him I at think all. His, <laughs> I think his gut is still jiggling as we speak, and that was like 24 hours ago. So The point is, you can be a big guy and pitch. No, absolutely. I just thought you could, you could still lose some weight because, I mean, after two pitches, he was sweating. His stamina is not good. That's a really arbitrary way to examine someone's stamina. So let's start that over. No, no. I mean, it's out there now. It's not out there. I have control of the edit. No, that has to be out there. No. He's sweat. He was in Florida. It's muggy. Yeah. You walk outside in a dress shirt trying to go to your car, you're going to sweat. Maybe I need to lose some weight. Everyone could probably lose some weight. It's it's irrelevant. Point is, he also (laughs) looked really good in Chicago against the Cubs, too. He did. I, I really think that uh, I would like to see him try to get a crack at the rotation eventually. It, it, it's going to happen, but I also love the idea of him being just like – because every team, every successful team recently has that guy uh, who can come in and pitch three or four dominant innings out of relief. Yeah, we've seen that. Uh, the Astros have that Deverinsky character who does that. Uh, you know, every few nights will go two, three innings. So Indians had uh, old what's-his-face, that other guy that did the same thing. They're not Atlanta sports, so we don't really... Right, we don't really know. But <laughs> I also think it's great, too, because the bullpen's been used a lot. So for him to be able to chew up those innings, especially also, you know, the the, the Rays game wasn't wasn't close, but the... Or was it the Marlins of the race that Gohara had his season debut against? Marlins. I can't remember. It was Marlins. Marlins. Yeah. So even though the Marlins game was not close... Um, it's still great to see him go out there and do that and know that, hey, we don't have to get Sam Freeman to go out there and, and labor. You know, we can save him. Same, and the Cubs game was close. So it's nice to see him perform well there. Yeah, I think that was the Fulte game. Where Fulte needs to figure out how to throw strikes. Yeah, it's like, hey, I can throw 100 miles per hour, but it's at the umpire's, uh, it's at the umpire's head. So he gives a shit. Here's a stat for you, Graham. Yeah. Fulte is number three in the entire major leagues and average pitches per inning. Wow. It's like 18.5. It's awful. That's why, like, his That's line, why he only goes five innings. His line, five innings, zero runs, 10 Ks. 107 pitches. Five walks. Yeah. 
So, yeah, I don't know what. Hopefully, he'll reel it in. I mean, he's still. It's not like. I mean, he's done well for us for the for the most part. Right, but. but it's just weird to me how he was going off on and on about how you know early before the season started in the spring training, it's like I'm going to take a couple miles off my fastball. I can still rear back when I need to, but I'm going to focus on trying to get first pitch strikes, get ahead of guys, really make a you know concerted effort to do so. And now we flash forward to the point where it's like you know he'll fall behind two and zero to a guy throwing. 9,800 miles an hour, but it's nowhere close to the zone. So I don't know what where, is it. Is he just this control just suck, or is he foregoing that initial strategy? I have two two points on that. So first point, you know how you were talking about the Hawks press conference and how they just spew bullshit. Yeah, that's what he's doing there by saying that ah. he's going to take it off. And B. If you could throw 100 miles per hour, wouldn't you want to try to throw 100 miles per hour every time? Not the detriment of me only being able to last 4.2 to 5 innings every but outing. It's, it's like in golf when you think, like, you could go up and you're like, I know I'm not going to do as well if I swing as hard as I can. Yeah. Take it nice and easy, nice and easy, and then you're about to come on your downswing and you gun it just because you're like, oh, no, 100% I'll, I'll hit a lot farther if I swing harder. Right. It's a weird mental thing. Well, I understand it too. Like when I play ping pong, I try to kill every ball that, that's hit to me. <laughs> sure. Um, but I know when I'm like, when I start to lose it, when I'm down, I'll adjust my strategy. I'll stop trying to kill the ball. Obviously, it's very different than being a professional baseball pitcher. But yeah, I just feel like he's so obstinate and he's mouthing off to umpires. His attitude just still isn't in the right place. I know he's still young and that can be adjusted, but it's troubling. It's disconcerting to see him continue to do that. Uh, not only with the you know high pitch count, but also still losing his cool. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see what happens <laughs> with that and uh, all things. But, you know, the great thing is, is that the things we're worried about are not things that are, you know, that encompass the entire team. Offensively, yeah. you have nothing to worry about right now. Yeah, this is us nitpicking. Yeah, this is nitpicking. Offensively, it's beautiful. Even when Acuna was starting to uh, slump a little bit, now he's he's come back pretty strong in the Chicago series and had some huge hits, absolutely huge hits, to either you know put us up late, um, you know driving a deciding run, and you know his defense has been exceptional so far. I mean, even though you know he's not hitting three sixty anymore, I, I still love what I see from the young man. What do you think about Ender hitting in the middle of the lineup, like fifth or sixth? I think it's worked out for him. He's killing the ball. He's hit three home runs since he's been yeah. put down there. I think he's hitting three seventy or something since then. I always thought that uh, Ender would fit better in that six or seven hole, just because he's not a huge on base guy. He doesn't get a lot of extra base hits, but he can come up with a with a quality hit when you need him to. He still is in a position where he's getting enough at bats, where he can still make a difference on the base pass when he gets on base. Um, so I, I I like him in that role, and honestly, I love Albies in the in the in the one hole because he has that extra base hit ability, and his speed is just so ridiculous that he can he can go one go up one nothing in a game from either a home run by him or him hitting a double or triple and getting driven in before you can even wipe your ass. I mean, the, the, we can score like that, and it's fucking awesome. You but don't get that with Ender. Also, Ender down there, um, him like running. I mean, he's leading the league in stolen bases now. Yeah. Uh, but when, if he does get caught, it's not like you're taking the bat out of Acuna's hands or, or Freddie, Freddie's hands. Yeah. You're taking the bat out of Flaherty or Jose Bautista or Camargo. So right. there's less risk with him running down there. Sure. That's a good point. Thanks, Graham. Yeah, no, I think I think that's, that move has worked out well. Um, so it's really just third base, bullpen, and, 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 uh, and Fulte right now. And staying that, healthy. And staying healthy. Oh, which, speaking of, Soroka went to the DL today, but it seems minor. Yeah, it's also retroactive to May 14th, so it's not like it's starting today. So he's already served you know, three. This will be the third day he'll you know, officially be on the DL, yeah. so it's not like we're going to miss him that much. He should, in, uh, in theory, make his next start next week. And starting, starting pitching is where we have a ton of depth all of a sudden. Right. Anibal Sanchez apparently coming back. Um, we have a doubleheader at the end of this month. Okay. Anibal's filing. I mean, I'm sure he's 100% healthy right now. We just don't have anywhere to put him. Right. Um, but he's supposed to be coming back, too. Cool. So he'll get another shot. Good. You can never have enough pitching. That's what they tell you. Yep. I would like to take this moment to read Hugo's message this week, mm. which mm. I thought was very fair. He needs to get a little better, better with punctuation. <laughs> so we're choosing between a Braves playoff run that – so we get the excitement every day of September – but it ends in 
a dramatic, heartbreaking, but close game seven in the NLCS. So loss there, obviously. Right. Versus the Falcons finishing seven and nine. That's tough. Uh, the Braves haven't won a playoff series since 2001 when they defeated the Astros and they lost the Diamondbacks in the next round. So we haven't gotten the NLCS in 17 years. So that automatically makes me kind of want the Braves to go to the NLCS because it'd be super exciting. And I think if the Braves won a playoff series, I would cry for like three days out of happiness. <laughs> but on the other hand, having the Falcons go seven and nine this year after the Matt Ryan extension, after we got you know pretty close last year, despite the team being very frustrating to watch, uh, I think I would, for as much as it pains me to say this, just because I think the Falcons, I mean the Braves' future is brighter. A little bit than the Falcons, just because of that extreme mix of young talent that we're getting um, with franchise cornerstones seemingly all over the place. Not to say the Falcons don't have that, but I feel like the Falcons' window is not nearly as open as the Braves' window. Like, we weren't supposed to be this good this year. I mean, we're, we're playing with house money right now. Uh, that I think I would forego the Braves getting far in the awesome October baseball than having the Falcons finish 7-9, and because then I would just run through a window, I think. Yeah. You talking kind of changed my mind. I was thinking I want that Braves run, but I also have to think about this podcast. And the Falcons going seven and nine would just be four months of me listening to you bitch about <laughs> Sarkeesian and whatever other issues we run into. And it'd just be very depressing. And, but mainly the Sarkeesian thing. I can't take any more rants about Sarkeesian and how shitty he is and how we have the highest played player of the NFL going seven and nine, it'd be no bueno. This is not the year we can do that. Yeah. So yeah. So I think we're in unison there. Yeah. And like you said, the Braves have a bigger window than the Falcons. Yeah. But initially when I hear Braves and LCS, I automatically was like, Yep, I'll take that. That and would also be when, amazing. When you do some critical things. Can you imagine like a full month of like going out and watching playoff oh, games so in a fun. bar packed with people yeah, or going, going to games, going to games the yes. battery with a playoff game. It would be, it'd be lit. Uh, but I think we're going to have the opportunity for that many times down the road. Falcons, I think our window, even though it's open, it's officially started to close. Um, Do you want to talk Falcons at all? We can. Not a lot's going on. I know we signed a... I think it's an underrated signing, Graham. Yeah. Do you remember his name? Because I don't. We signed a 302-pound, 6-foot-2-inches D-tackle that played for the Redskins last year, Terrell McLean. Also played for the Cowboys, correct? Cowboys before that, and he was shitty in Washington last year. Signed a pretty big contract with them. Four-year contract, they cut him after one year. Um, So he was actually a pretty good player for Dallas, right? He was good in Dallas, but Dallas runs a 4-3. Washington runs a 3-4. Ah, so he did not a good So that's why I think it's an underrated signing for us. Mm -hmm. Because he's coming back into 4-3, obviously. And this is more of the guy that can fill in the hole and um, take a little bit of pressure off of our third-round pick. Uh, What was his face? Sanat. Sanat. And uh, let Grady Jarrett do what Grady Jarrett does. Right, and I think, too, that this is important for the defensive line. As we talked about it before the draft, how seemingly depleted we were after losing Claiborne, especially. <clears throat> and John Terry Poe. And this is not like a quarterback. This is not like an offensive line where they're going out there every play. The way Dan Quinn likes to utilize his defensive linemen is a rotational scheme. Guys aren't going out there playing 60 snaps, uh, 60 snaps a week. They're you know rotating to the point where they're all getting pretty evenly you know matched snaps. So this isn't just a depth move. I mean, this is this is a guy who's probably going to start and probably get a lot of a lot of reps. And so I'm good with it. I'm good with it. And, you know, hopefully he can bounce back in a, in a scheme that's comfortable for him. Yeah, I think we're paying $2 million for him. No, $4 million? No, we're paying $4 million. Mm-hmm. Other teams are only offering 2 Okay. Um, so there was a little heat over that. but Right. And you got to think about it, too. I think from his perspective, right, he flamed down that big deal in Washington. He's probably seen – Don Terry Poe get a nice deal with the Panthers. You've probably seen Adrian Claiborne get that nice deal with the Patriots. Um, of sort of like not total off cast, but you know guys that aren't you know thought about as a Dominican Sue or uh, you know high profile defensive tackle have a good season in Atlanta or good you know 
or two seasons in Atlanta and then go off and get a nice deal somewhere else. That also probably had to uh, have a say in it along with the money and along with the scheme fit. He'll be a motivated player this year. Yeah, for sure. That's all I got for the Falcons. Yeah, there's not really much else going on with the Falcons, so I think that's I think it's a good move, and you know, we'll see how it plays out in training camp. Well, now we need to move on to our weekly segment. I think yes, this week in Atlanta Braves, base. No, get the uh, name right now, Graham. This week in the Atlanta Braves rebuild. Yes. So going back to May seventeenth, two thousand sixteen. Sixteen. Atlanta Braves. Let's see what we got here, Junior. Oh, oh, that's a rough one. So, <laughs> your nine and twenty-nine Braves. I think this is when Freddie was fired. This, I remember. This, I think this was the day Freddie was fired. Yeah. Oh yeah, Freddie Gonzalez was yep. fired. Now after we this finally game. know. So we lost nine to twelve. Oh no, this is Snit's first game. Snit's first game. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So it wasn't the Pittsburgh series. I remember that now. I remember that one hundred percent. Yeah. We lost nine to twelve to the Pirates. So in Snit's first inning, his team gave up seven runs in the first inning. Fuck. Yeah. So we were down nine nothing at one point in this one. And after two innings, right? Yeah, after two. We battled back though, just like that's what this team does under Snit. Mm-hmm. If that were Freddie Gonzalez coaching this team, it would have been twelve nothing. Probably have been eighteen to nothing. Yeah, even worse. So let's see here. Your boy Ender's leading off at this point. Oh wow, two for four. Uh, Nick Markakis, best cleanup hitter at this point, is hitting number two, two for four as well. Freddie zero for four out of three. Cleanup hitter AJ Pierzynski zero for five. Ugh. Gordon Beckham with a big game. What do you do? Three for five. Wow. Uh, anything of note? Daniel Castro had a solid game, two for five. Reed Brignac, two for two. Reed Brignac, the with Brignac two, strikes again. With two runs, that son wow. of a bitch. Uh, oh, I forgot we had Grilly. So, oh, guess who started that game? Uh, your boy, uh, Whistler. No. Blair. Aye. 1.1 innings, nine hits, nine earned. Fuck. Bud Norris, the one that got away. Yeah, he's having a good season in St. Louis this he's year. He's like a lockdown closer now. Yeah, what the hell? But he pitched three solid innings in that one. And Grilly. So what was our record? Nine and twenty-nine. Let's compare that to now. What twenty-six and sixteen? Twenty-six and sixteen. Sixteen. It's a whole lot of progress. In Number two one in the National League. Yep. So until next time. Rise up, chop on, stay in brotherhood, unite and conquer, and remain true. To Atlanta. Hospitality. Awesome.